0: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Welcome into to the awesome MMA strategy shows to get you ready for Saturday's UFC Vegas number 43 headline by a female bandaway matchup between Caitlin Vieira and Misha Tate. We are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight later on in the show. We'll talk about some Monkey Knife Fight plays when it comes to the main event and co-main event. I will tell you as I was going down those Props over there, Monkey Knife. I definitely saw some lines that did stick out to me. Of course, as always, I am joined by the fighter Pete Rogers Jr. Happy Thursday afternoon to you, Pete. Uh, Obviously, looking at this fight card here this week, uh, you know, obviously last week we're coming off a a great matchup between Max Holloway and Aier Rodriguez. But I know, as as, you know, kind of my thoughts is, and and uh, Fanduel has not post the salaries yet, so we're not going to talk about Fanduel here today. We'll all be talking about DraftKings. Uh, I was, there was some odd salaries I would say in comparison to what the betting odds are.
1: Yeah. I I think that whoever's creating salaries was sipping on something. I don't know. It's just a little weird. Uh, they, they don't really relate to uh, some of the betting odds that, that you will definitely bring up Um, some just, it's just a weird card in general, right? Like sometimes you get a good feeling about a card. We've been spoiled back to back amazing fight cards. And now we're kind of just tossed a mediocre card at best. And, uh, I don't know what we'll have to pick some spots and find some leverage on, you know, on the field. But as always, it's a fight week and I am excited to break it down regardless.
2: Look, I'm just saying this. I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but there's multiple fires under eight thousand dollars. I'm like, yeah, I can roster them this week. Yeah, same. I mean, it's what
1: we'll, we'll get into it in detail, but uh, I, I would agree with you.
2: Let's get right into it. Main event: Misha Tate taking on Caitlin Vieira. Misha Tate, eighty three hundred over on DraftKings, seventy nine hundred for Caitlin Vieira. As you look across the uh, betting lines, of course, you can check that out over at Odd Shopper. Uh, it comes to Misha Tate. Uh, there is uh, some books out there that actually do have her at plus money, plus one hundred. Uh, uh, anywhere else, you're pretty much somewhere between minus one hundred and five, minus one ten on her. So being pretty much is, you know, she's a slight quote unquote underdog in this one, you know, kind of a pick them type fight. And, you know, when I was looking at this matchup, Pete, the one thing that really stuck out to me about Caitlin Vieira, because when I'm thinking about Misha Tate's path to victory, I'm thinking about her being able to use her wrestling in this matchup. And when you look at Caitlin Vieira's past couple of opponents, she hasn't had to worry about that fighter attempting g- going to have potentially the takedown game that Misha Tate will have in this one.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. Um, I'm interested in this matchup and I think the salaries of both fighters makes a ton of sense to fit in your lineups. It's going to be pretty difficult to avoid this fight. Um, You know, I'm interested to see how Misha Tate looks again. Obviously it was a small sample size and she looked great in her return. I just don't know if that's going to be the constant moving forward. It could have been just one amazing performance. We will have to see. We will have to, uh, you know, obviously, temper expectations but I actually do like Misha Tate in this matchup and I do like her a little bit more than Caitlin Vieira although I think Caitlin Vieira will garner a little bit more ownership just given the the salary reduction um it's a close fight but for Caitlin Vieira I think that she she relies on getting top position a lot and blanketing her opponents which I think a a fighter in Misha Tate can somewhat nullify get on top reverse position incorporate takedowns of her own definitely has the the, the higher finishing potential of the two, in my opinion, I think that her boxing looked ever improved. I think that her ground and pound is vicious when she incorporates it. She has some sneaky jujitsu, but I I think if this ends up on the mat, you would look to Misha Tate to incorporate more ground and pound in an attempt to get her out of there. So, yeah, I, I like Misha Tate in this matchup slightly more than the field, I would say, but it, it's going to be a nice value for your lineups either way.
2: Aiden brings up a great point in the chat. It's a point that I wanted to bring up. You know, this is a five round fight. And, you know, and obviously, um, I I do think that because of salary, I think this is a fight we have to look at getting to. uh, You know, I'm not saying I'm trying to go 100% on this fight, but this is a fight that I'm targeting. I want to get to because of salary and five rounds. But a concern I do have about Caitlin Vieira is what does that gas tank look like in the fourth and fifth round? Because we've seen her get into the third round and you can see how much she's slowing down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Kalen Vieira will look good, honestly. I, I don't. I think that she has um a, a tiny path to, to getting this done. And uh, I do think that Misha Tate, obviously, championship-level experience, um, looks extremely motivated. I actually could – you can make an argument that she looked – career best in her in her past performance and uh yeah misha tate's going to be a smash spot for me this week although i will somewhat temper expect, expectations it'll just have to depend on the the size of the slate or whether or not you're in a single entry or uh you know a a, a large field tournament but uh, I, I like misha tate at 8300
2: Yeah, I like Mijatay in this spot as well, but I don't mind getting the Caitlin Vieira. And, of course, if you want to see what those ownership projections we have, you got to do a sign for the Osmo Plus membership. I will tell you, Alex updated ownership just a little while ago. Of course, we're just waiting for those FanDuel salaries to come in. Once those come in, Alex will get that updated up there on the site. So you got to check out that. Of course, if you want to check out some of the free premium data and tools over at Osmo.com, if you're not an Osmo Plus member, today's free premium data and tools are Thursday night football projections NBA ownership rankings and NHL ownership projections of course every day over Osmo.com. you can check out Adam's NBA deeper dive article which is free to read so be sure to check out that of course uh, if you're joining us here on YouTube we would appreciate a, a thumbs up uh, like uh, this video subscribe to the channel hit that notification bell and if you're listening to us on the podcast feed Hey, subscribe to us. Give us rating and review. We always love seeing those rating and review help us out and let everyone know about what we do here at the Also MMA Strategy Show. Next up, Pete, we got a matchup uh, against Michael Chiesa and Sean Brady. Sean Brady, 8,900, 7,300 for Michael Chiesa. Uh, Sean Brady, a minus 170 betting favor in this one. I mean, look, he, you know, I remember I had the opportunity to call uh, one of Sean Brady's fights on the regional scene. Uh, when he fought for Shogun fights, taking on Colton Smith, and and I'll tell you the the one thing that I remember. Um, leading into that fight, there was a lot of people that thought, Hey, this was kind of that signature fight. And, you know, a little after that, I kind of heard like maybe the UFC wasn't quite interested in, in Sean Brady because of kind of the, the, fighting style he has, but man, this has been a tremendous signing. Uh, you know, first off, kudos to Michael Kiesa for taking this fight. Yeah. There might be some people in his position that says, why am I going to take on that young up and comer? Um, he, here's like, the, I, I look at it and What concerns me about Michael Chiesa is we've seen some poor fight IQ where he leaves his neck out there. And that is one of the big concerns I have about Michael Chiesa.
1: Yeah, 100%. I'm glad that you brought it up. Uh, This is a massive, massive step up in competition for Sean Brady. You go from the regional scene to debuting in the UFC, fighting some low level opposition, Um, you know, coming off a solid win against uh, Jake Matthews makes a ton of sense. He looked amazing in that performance. Uh, Now stepping up fighting Michael Chiesa, who, has been a, a veteran in the UFC. Has been an animal in regards to wrestling, uh, out wrestling his opponents. Um, you know, in in specific matchups, Michael Chiesa can cause nightmares for his opponents. Uh, if you want to look back against a a a fighter against a fighter in Hafiel Dosanos, who has solid jiu-jitsu. Um, he landed six takedowns, but Hafiel Dosanos, I think, isn't really a submission threat like you would imagine. Uh, a Sean Brady is a submission threat where if Michael Chiesa gets a little lackadaisical in some of the transition periods throughout the fight, I do worry because Chiesa has um, a susceptibility of leaving that neck out there, getting caught in chokes. And when he gets caught in chokes, you saw it against Vicente Luque. You saw it against uh, Sergio Pettis, uh, Kevin Lee. So anybody that can threaten the neck is always live to beating Michael Chiesa despite his overwhelming, you know, grappling and wrestling. If he gets behind you and gets your back, he can definitely win rounds, solidify rounds. It's just a, a matter of pace, pressure, and not and limiting mistakes. And I don't like him here in this matchup, to be honest, because Sean Brady is fantastic at, at capturing the neck. Uh, we have seen that. He's actually fallen into some submission finishes and primarily was not known as a finisher on the regional scene uh, over Christian Aguilera and Matthew's back-to-back submission wins. I could see a scenario here where Michael Chiesa gets a little lazy and Brady ends up capitalizing on that mistake. Uh, But if you want to talk about value, pound-for-pound value, Michael Chiesa is one of the best on the slate given his upside. Mm -hmm. Yet You you talk about massive takedown totals. Um, He's he's a decent striker, and his uh, overall, I will say, uh, resume could possibly help him in this situation where his – I don't know. His strength of schedule can definitely lead to to correcting some mistakes en route to a decision victory. But I actually really like Sean Brady here. It's just a matter of does he end up finding that neck of Michael Chiesa. But 8,900, absolutely warranted in my opinion.
2: Let me ask you if you're going to be surprised by the stats I'm about to give you. And this here comes it. from courtesy at Numbers MMA on Twitter. Great Twitter uh, follow account. Highest takedown accuracy in UFC welterweight division, minimum 20 attempts. If I told you Michael Kiesa is number one at 76.9%, you would say I'd
1: probably say that yeah. He he probably leads the charts.
2: He is number one, GSP number two at 73.7. Yeah. Number three, Robbie Lawler. Interesting. that that's the one that kind of sticks out to you highest control rate ufc welterweight division history michael kiesa is the only fighter in the top five that's still an active ufc fighter yeah it
1: makes sense and
2: he and he is number one at 66 percent two charlie britteman three dennis hallman four matt hughes five john fitch
1: Interesting. That's a nice list right there. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Kiesa can definitely solidify position and uh, possibly avoid mistakes. And he has some sneaky jujitsu himself, good ground and pound, Best, basically some of the best control we've seen in the octagon. But uh, a fighter from Henzo uh, Gracie Philly and, and Sean Brady is somebody I'm completely high on. I'm high on that entire team. And uh, I know their coach, Daniel Gracie. I really, really like them a lot. Uh, on this fight card so I, I will still be siding with Sean Brady but I absolutely love what you said there about kiesa
2: yeah you know Aiden mentioned about Felder saying that that Brady has the best key team he's ever seen um Sean Brady and Paul feller longtime training partners there uh in, in Philadelphia there uh you know you know Aiden I don't know if I would agree with you saying that you need the winner of this fight um oh. I, look if kiesa goes out and wins I, I no question because of the price at eighty nine hundred, Sean Brady. If you tell me this thing goes fifteen minutes, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if I would put this in that. Hey, you got it. especially if Sean Brady ultimately ends up winning, because there's some nine thousand options out there that I think you know potentially have a really high ceiling.
1: I might agree with Aiden. Honestly, I, I like this matchup. I like the volatility of it because of Kiesa's mistakes inside the octagon. Uh, Brady's got powerful striking. He has good pressure. Good submission attacks. Uh, either way, you, you're either going to get Kiesa possibly riding out Brady for 15 minutes or Brady possibly capitalizing. Uh, th- this is kind of like it's not at the top of my list, but it's it's approaching it.
2: Of course, this is the also MMA strategy show. We are breaking down UFC Vegas number 43. We are going to be back in a couple of minutes while we get some things uh, corrected here on the back end. So we we'll back here in a couple of minutes. We are back here on the also MMA strategy shows. We are breaking down UFC Vegas number 43. we are already gone through the main event and co-main event. Before we continue on, do want to let you know about a promo we got going on over at awesomo.com for the start of the college basketball season. Yes, college basketball is here. And we got our college basketball DFS projections that you can check out and get your first week for only $5 when you use the promo code COACHK, all caps, one, That's Coach K for your first week of also plus college basketball for only $5. This offer is valid through Saturday, November the 20th. Yeah, that's two days away. So if you want to get in on the action there, be sure to use that promo code Coach K to get our college basketball DFS package for only $5. Pete, let's move on to the next fight. We got Honey Yaya. And Kung Ho Kang, this is a fight that was supposed to uh, take place. I will say it was back in uh, July. Hanayaya ended up getting uh coming down with COVID. I will say it was on fight day uh, that he tested positive for. Here, this is your eight thousand eight hundred matchup. Um, You know, Kang being the a two hundred side of this one, I don't know how much I really love this one in terms of DFS, Pete, because I just kind of feel like this is a, a matchup destined to go to the decision. And for whatever reason, Kung Ho Kang is a guy that finds himself in split decisions.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's very difficult to get either one of these guys out of there. And Honey Yaya is a guy that can definitely win rounds based on unbelievable jujitsu, solid takedowns for being a jiu-jitsu artist. But if you go back and you look at his losses, he doesn't lose via finish too much. I mean, uh losing to Joseph Benavidez back in the WEC, that's nothing to really hang your head at. But outside of that, he's he's losing close decisions as well, unanimous decisions, split decisions. Um, you know, the the majority decision draw to Enrique Barzola is something that I think can pose some, uh, some in, intrigue here for uh, the, the lesser priced honey. in this matchup, because I do think that Kyung Ho Kang is talented. He's very good, but I, I had high hopes for Enrique Barzola and uh, Kyung Ho Kang is, is not the same type, but I can take mm-hmm. something away from that matchup where uh, Kyung Ho Kang usually likes to incorporate wrestling into his attacks as well gets good top control. Um, this is a fight that I would agree with you. That is extremely weird. I will be siding with Kyung Ho Kang. I think that his uh, his takedown defense could actually stifle the the game of Hanayaya, where lots of sprawl and brawl, lots of avoiding bad positions by maintaining top control, uh, trying to avoid any really grappling sequences against Hanayaya, who doesn't have the best technical striking at all we'll start we'll keep his hands low we'll walk into shots we'll desperately shoot takedown attempts if this was a on Fanduel and their old scoring system i would probably be boosting up kyung ho kang because i think that he could actually defend some takedowns here plenty Mm -hmm. of them to be to be honest so 8200 kyung ho kang is my lean don't really like this fight uh but obviously the salary range always poses problems for uh you know for all of us and uh, i definitely think it makes its way into the optimal more likely than not But this week, I'm just going to be kind of level with the field or a little bit underweight to it inside of, uh, you know, favoring uh, Kyung Ho Kang in the matchup.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things of, you know, you just don't want to, put yourself in a jiu type matchup with right uh, yeah i mean this is a guy that obviously you know that's where he's gonna have success i mean look you can go right up up and down his record you're gonna see you know majority of his wins are by submission but for some reason i just this fight feels like a 15-minute fight to me um I, I do prefer kung ho kang in the fight but i just don't know if in a 15-minute fight whether this is a, a fight i really need to prioritize
1: yeah it makes sense it's it's not on it's not high on my priority scale but uh if I had to lean towards somebody with the better striking, I would say Kyung Ho Kang and, you know, getting good, good top position. And he has good, solid, you know, wrestling defense. You could definitely walk into some, some ground and pound situations that, you know, a couple shots can definitely turn the tide of a fight and possibly work, make your way into a, a, a stoppage. But I agree with you a 15 minute decision, more likely than not.
2: Next up, we've got a female 125 pound matchup. We've got Joanne Wood take on Thalia Santos. Jojo here, the massive underdog, seven thousand dollar price tag over on DraftKings, ninety two hundred for Thalia Santos. What is your take, Pete?
1: It's an interesting one. Obviously, it's a step up in competition for uh, Tyler Santos. Uh, she gets good takedowns. She has solid striking as well. She'll probably not have the speed advantage in this matchup. I think that Joanne Calderwood or Joanne Wood. It has the better, you know, the the faster hands, the faster striking, um, has some tricky kicks sometimes, some good clinching strike, uh, clinch striking. Uh, I think that Joanne uh, Wood could actually get taken down in this matchup. And that's where Tyler Santos really shines. The top position, the control time, uh, riding out a decision makes a ton of sense. Uh, I think that it's going to be business as usual for Tyler Santos. Obviously, uh, Joanne Wood does have some sneaky jujitsu off of her back. But Tyler Santos is well schooled and well versed for that. Obviously, we were worried about that against Roxanne Modafferi, Jillian Robertson, just avoiding dangerous, dangerous positions. And uh, I'm going to include Joanne Wood in some of my some of my lineups, given her experience, um, and and also her possibility of of finding you know an armbar from guard. Uh, if she does that, she has done it in the past. She could have 90 plus fantasy points at a very very cheap salary of seven thousand. Obviously, women's MMA completely volatile. And week to week, we see underdogs cash in spots like this. I do think that Tyler Santos is priced up a little too much for my liking. I'll get to her plenty, but uh, I would feel much more confident if she was like 8700 or something like that.
2: Yeah, I mean, the price point does definitely uh, scare me away from, from Thalia Santos in, in this one. Uh, you know, for JoJo, she, she's been up and down the past two years. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. Uh, I will say this. I'm interested to see if there's any interaction between JoJo and John Wood. And Misha Tate this week, because I don't know if you saw the Misha Tate line about how uh, dating your coaches are generally uh, generally problematic. And of course, John Wood, the head coach of Joe. I Wood. mean,
1: <laughs> that's kind of like it's a blanket statement. It's it's completely different. just because she was dating Carraway, Like, come on now. Like, I don't know. It's it's different for everybody. And I think that Joanne Wood and and uh, John Wood could possibly have something. He, I don't know. It, it depends on the situation. I, wow. That's just a Misha Tate line.
2: In the MMA gym business, there's a lot of relationships going oh, on it inside happens. the gym.
1: Of course. And fellow fighters, I mean, you, what are you going to, Tiago Santos and Yana Kuniskaya, like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like there's plenty of them. It's, it's just natural. I mean, you, you find somebody who enjoys fighting and mm-hmm. combat martial arts. It's, it's crazy. It's tough to get away from.
2: Yeah, I remember I was talking um, to a a fighter that trains out of Missouri, and, uh, you know, she had said, you know, states, uh, you know, fighter, and she's like, you know, we get home, we don't even really talk about it. We kind of just, you know, everything gets left at the gym.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, who knows, I don't even... I don't even know how uh, to
2: respond to that. We'll move on to the next matchup here. We got Davey Grant taking on Adrian Yanez. Yanez, 9,100, 7,100 for Davy Grant. Uh, you know, Davy Grant, I mean, this is like a familiar role for him coming in a, as a, a sizable underdog in this one. Adrian Yanez, I mean, look, the boxing is very crisp with him. Um, you know, I was thinking about this earlier this morning. Um, As I was driving to a meeting and and I was thinking about the last conversation I had with Adrian Yanez, and it was right after his fight against Randy Costa. And, you know, the whole talking point with him wasn't about getting the second round finish. It was how bad the first round started for him.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, that's always going to be in my memory of how Randy Costa, who I know, Randy, I know Randy's coach. Randy's coach is my coach. Uh, He likes to set up tricky kicks his boxing is, is secondary. His kicks are primary. So uh, for him to go out there and completely outbox Adrian Yanez in round one th- really threw me for a loop. Uh, I know that he was long in the matchup, but given everything that I know about uh, Randy Costa, it kind of was, it was very, very interesting to me. And I'm like, Hmm, do I have Yanez too high on my prospect list? Or was it just a, you know, a, a matchup and styles make fights and Randy Costa's length could pose some problems for Yanez. And that's what happened. But Giannis ultimately ended up coming back from that, looking much, much sharper round two. Um, in this matchup against Davy Grant, I, I can't I can't help but think that Giannis is, is the A side of this fight, but I also don't want to discredit what Davy Grant has been doing lately, and I have done that in the past where I, I overlook Davy Grant. Yes, he has massive power. Yes, he'll get outstruck at times, uh, but he starts winging shots, and one of these wild uh, wide hooks ends up landing and plants his opponent on their backside. And we've seen it time and time again, where David Grant can definitely, you know, change the the tide of the fight with one shot. Saw it against a Martin day, uh, Jonathan Martinez um, against Marlon Vera. He had some solid success, but ended up scoring 44 fantasy points in a loss. I do think that Giannis is the crisp, uh, the more crisp boxer here. And I do think that the the straight shots of Giannis can pick apart the wide shots of Davey Grant but with all that being said Davey Grant is a part of my my underdog pool because he just does the unthinkable lands one shot and uh you know Yanez getting outboxed by Randy Costa doesn't really doesn't really scare me away from Davey Grant It almost makes me want to get to a little bit more Davey Grant so uh yeah I'm favoring Yanez in the matchup but like I said Davey Grant's a, a an excellent value play this week
2: and if Yanez does stop Davey Grant via TKO or KO he'll become the first fighter to defeat davy Grant via knockout
1: yeah and just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it's not possible people like to only believe in things that they have seen and uh that's kind of where um you could have some leverage on the field by all right we're going to predict that Yanez is going to get a knockout finish a first round or something like that and everybody else is going to look at what has historically happened and uh, be a little you know hesitant on that but you know just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it won't
2: yeah i mean i i like adrian yanez in the matchup i, I really love his boxing baby look if i'm davy grant I, i'm not trying to get into a boxing matchup he's here. gonna though come on i know he's gonna but i mean it, to me it, it's gotta be about you gotta be a well round mixed martial arts against adrian yanez try to get him off his game but I, I do like adrian yanez uh in the matchup here next up we got a matchup of uh this is one of the fights where i was a little surprised by the DraftKings king's odds on this one and that's Pat Sabatini taking on Tucker Lutz. Tucker Lutz, 7,500, 8,700 for Pat Sabatini. Pat Sabatini, a minus 135 favorite in this one. Tucker Lutz, plus 115. Uh, I mean, look, I, I think Sabatini should be the favorite. I just, when, when I logged on to DraftKings this morning, Pete, I was not expecting to see this the, the salary for this fight.
1: Okay, that's fair. Um I I would agree with you that I do think that Tucker Lutz isn't a bad underdog at all. Uh, He showcased some really good striking in his previous performance, but also he has wrestling in his back pocket. He's been wrestling for the large majority of his life. Uh, The the issue in this matchup, though, is that Pat Sabatini is a well-versed wrestler as well, coming from Henzo Gracie Philly, a team that I've already admitted I'm extremely high on, and Pat Sabatini has good striking they'll probably be even on the feet a little bit more power will reside in the lutz corner um i would actually give a slight advantage to sabatini in the wrestling department but i'm absolutely giving sabatini the edge in the jiu-jitsu department uh his scrambling ability his submission finishes uh that they're they're pretty incredible for the division you saw that against jamal emers yeah he got dropped and he fished for a leg lock uh emers was focused on a toll hold uh, Sabatini capitalized and said, okay, you're going to toehold me. I'm going to heel hook you and heel hook wins 99% of the time. Uh, Sabatini's jujitsu is what could be the difference maker here. Um, you know, debuting against, uh, Tristan Connolly is a tough debut, even though it doesn't seem like it is on paper. Connolly is a, as a well-schooled, you know, wrestler and, and grappler. Um, Sabatini is a guy that is training with Sean Brady, training with everybody from Henzo Gracie Philly. And I do think that he will end up walking away victorious in this matchup. But Tucker Lutz has power to, to definitely expose a, a chin issue of Sabatini, where you did see um, Sabatini kind of got dropped against the Jamal Emers. Um, I, I think that Emers intended it to be, you know, a, a body shot or possibly just an uppercut in general. And Sabatini walked right into it, was planted on his backside and had to scramble. But uh, this is a fight that I feel is sneaky and I'll be prioritizing this fight. I feel like you need the winner of this one. Uh, one way or another. The price tag of Sabatini is a little rich, but I'm going to get there.
2: Yeah, the price tag is kind of concerning to me. Uh, when you look at the over two and, a half, two and a half rounds minus 175, I do think this is a fight that um I, I would say I feel more likely that's going to go 15 minutes as opposed to a stoppage. But I think if a stoppage comes, I don't think it's early. Pete. I think it's late. I think yeah, if I, it comes, I, I think it's, yeah. a, it's like a third round type stoppage. I, I just don't see either one of these guys just getting off to a you know, a rolling start in the first round and and we see a stoppage like, say, in the fourth minute of the first round, I really think that is stoppage third rounds when it comes.
1: Yeah, I would agree. I, I view it as a very competitive fight um, and, and it will probably come down to cardio and uh, who can push past the fatigue and who can deal with the adversity a little bit better. And I think it's going to be a dogfight in certain situations, but I still think Pat Sabatini will walk away
0: victorious. Casino.com.
2: And of course, this is the also MMA strategy show. We are sponsored by monkey knife fight. They've got their player prop contest over there. We use a promo code. Awesome they'll give you a uh, first match, instant first match deposit up to $100. Once again, that's promo code so to get a first match bonus of up to $100. All you got to do is head over to monkeyknifefight.com to get started, of course. And one of the great tools that you can use this is also a player prop tool that we have over at that are absolutely amazing. You got to check out what we have over there at AWESOMO.com. Uh, looking at the main event, co-main event here, Pete, in terms of Total Strikes, main event Caitlin Vieira, 128 and a half. Misha Tate, 96 and a half. Um, you know, I think the Vieira number is really high. Just because I because I like Misha Tate in the matchup. So that way is a less high. situation on me. The Misha Tate 96 and a half. I might say less.
1: That's way too high on uh Caitlin Vieira. Way, way too high. Um, it all depends on how much damage Caitlin Vieira can end up, you know, withstanding in this matchup. I'll definitely lean. Le- I'll definitely say less for Caitlin Vieira. And I'll probably say less for Misha Tate. I, I feel like she could end up walking into a, uh, a finish a lot sooner than landing those 90 some odd strikes.
2: In the co-main event, kind of a, another interesting uh, line here Sean Brady, 97.5, Michael Chiesa, 68.5. You know, you know at, at 97 and a half with Sean Brady, I mean, that to me, you got to be thinking that that's, you know, 30, you know, 35, you know, 33 strikes. You know, he's got to land each round. If you're thinking this fight's going to go 15 minutes, um, I, I do kind of tend to believe that this fight's going to go 15 minutes. I don't know if Brady hits that 97 and a half numbers. So I'd probably go less. Kiesa 68 and a half, man, I think that number's pretty spot on for a 15 minute fight.
1: So it depends on whether or not, you know, they stifle each other's, you know, takedown attempts and this ends up becoming a kickboxing match. If it becomes a kickboxing match, then you would imagine that it, you, they could approach the more, but honestly, it seems like another double less to me. I think there's going to be some grappling sequences here that that they're both grapplers at heart. So it's going to be very difficult for them to avoid that. It's going to be some control time, some scrambles. Uh, I think the numbers are too high on that. I'll say less on both.
2: I will tell you we're going to talk about this fighter a little later on I think the number on Terrence McKinney is too high at 71 and a half
1: that's a good one uh that that is a good one I don't I don't hate that
2: yeah I just think that's just, just that number's just a, a little too high in terms of that match so let's move on next matchup we got Hoffa Garcia taking on Natan Levy Natan Levy 8500 7700 for Hafa Garcia this is another one that the salaries here jumped out to me because Halfa Garcia is the favorite, a minus 125 betting favorite here. So if you like half Garcia, I feel like DraftKings might be giving is giving us a little bonus here.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. And uh I really like this matchup. For me, I feel like this matchup is going to be extremely important for optimal lineups. I, I feel like the winner of this is going to be in it. Uh Natan Levy is definitely a prospect for sure. And uh you know, he he looks incredible coming out of syndicate MMA. He has some sneaky wrestling, but relies on some good chokes to defend some some wrestlers. Um, also has some pretty, pretty good striking, big explosive hands, some tricky, tricky kicks, which can definitely pose some fighters problems. I think they could have given him a much easier debut, though, if you want me to be honest. I, I don't think this is a, a, a cupcake matchup at all. I think the Hoffa Garcia is someone who, in my opinion, impressed me in his in his octagon debut against uh, Nazrat Hakhbarost, and then uh, looked good in sub sequences against Chris Gritz, uh, Gritzmacher. Round one looked incredible. Hurt uh, Chris uh, Gritzmacher was en route to possibly, you know, finding a finish, uh, and then allowed basically punched himself out in round one. And Chris Gritzmacher is just su- such a grinder, such a tough fighter to deal with. Uh, when he put Hafa Garcia on his back foot, he really saw a different fighter. And when Hafa Garcia was on his back foot, getting pressured, the pressure of Gritzmacher definitely got to him, but you did see some dog in in Hoffa Garcia where he was able to dig deep and, and fight to the end and had moments. It was a close fight. He was able to land some takedowns. And uh, what I've seen from Natan Levy, he's an amazing prospect. I like him a lot. Uh, he has been taken down and put on his back several times. I've also seen, you know, that's in the regional scene. I also have seen him uh, get taken down, get rocked, um, it's just interesting to me because this is a massive step up the competition. They could have done a little bit better matchmaking in my opinion uh in order to basically help mature this 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 kid and Natan Levy uh by slowly bringing him along. Hoffa Garcia is definitely a tough fighter. I like Hoffa Garcia as an underdog at 7700. Even though I love Natan Levy's skill set, I think that he has a higher ceiling and can definitely grow into the better fighter overall and I think he checks more boxes. But this could be just a little bit too too quick. Um, you know, Japa Garcia coming off of two extremely competitive fights. Yeah, uh, he's definitely got some value there at 7,700.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think for Natan Levy, it's a guy that I, I've interviewed a couple times. You know, when I think his name, I think it's submission. And you talk about uh, it's a Ben Lugo fight in LFA nice. where, I mean, he got, I mean, rocked. I mean, it was kind of amazing that he was able to survive. That's why it ultimately ended up being uh, a majority decision win for him. But that was a fight that you put that one on film. I can see where people are going to go, oh, man, I might have some concerns about Natan Levy. But to me, is if I'm Hafa Garcia, it's about not a making this a jiu-jitsu fight, make it a stand-up affair.
1: I mean, Hafa Garcia gets takedowns, and he's good in the sequences. It's making the fight a little bit ugly. If you keep it on the outside and you you'll allow Natan Levy to keep it pretty, where he's able to, you know, you know, hit you with some sneaky kicks or uh, possibly um, you know, make you walk into a guillotine choke. That's where things could get tricky. But if you dirty box him, press him, uh, basically not show any respect to him, put him on the back foot, I think that Hoffa Garcia can easily walk away with this victory. So despite the promise of Natan Levy, I-, I will be picking tons of Hoffa Garcia for my lineups, but I view this fight as a necessity.
2: Yeah, that that price point when I was putting together my spreadsheet just really stuck out there. I was like, man, 7,700 for Hoffa Garcia. you know, It's just, and I feel like, and there's several fighters on this card where I just feel like the the way DraftKings has salaried this one. and that's It'll be very interesting to see how FanDuel does and and how we can kind of compare that on Live Before Lock on Saturday. Next up, we got a female strawweight matchup. Lupi Godinez having her third fight in 42 days as he takes on Loma, Lukbumi, Lukbumi, 7,400. Godinez, 8,800. Uh, man, you know, for Godinez, I mean, I understand about, man, you want to be an active fighter, and I, I do like the fact that this is at 115, not 125. We saw yep. that in her last fight, which I think that ultimately at the end of the day, that was a mistake for her to take this matchup. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you look at Lukbumi, you know, Muay Thai striker. Uh, if you're Godinez, you got to think about, you know, taking this one to the ground, but, I, my only concern about Coudenas, Pete, is you know can we sh- can we show an array of takedown attempts, not the same takedown attempt over and over again?
1: Yeah, variety is uh, variety is the key for Coudenas to be successful. And um, I don't know, it's a rich price tag because I, I really think that Lukumi is a is an interesting prospect within the sport. I think that you know coming from such a a highly touted uh, Muay Thai you know uh, career you can definitely come over and have some success. And she's actually looked really good and she's impressed me. I really love her, her clinch control. I love her, her takedowns from the clinch. Um, Her sweeps really is what I mean by her takedowns. Uh, At 7,400, I view her as the better striker. I think that, you know, Godina has definitely offered some takedown upside because you're fighting a traditional striker who could end up struggling, but Luke Boomi has the right people around her. Tiger Muay Thai has definitely helped her round out into a, I'm not a well-rounded mixed martial artist, but an ever-improving mixed martial artist. And, you know, Godina is trying to be a company woman, makes a a ton of sense. Obviously, this fight being at this weight definitely helps her promise uh, for walking away victorious. But I have to say that Luke Boomi is probably the underdog I'll be most exposed to, even though I don't really like the matchup to to end inside the distance. It's just the value piece, right? She's valuable at 7,400. She could definitely steal a decision. And her striking one of these days will end up getting her a finish because... Her Muay Thai is excellent. Her knees in the clinch are phenomenal. Her elbows, just everything, everything in general, she could put on a striking clinic. And every, every time that you can locate a value piece with, with such, you know, exceptional striking, they're going to find a finish one day or another, but this is women's MMA tends to go the distance. I can see why people would be hesitant about this, but I'm favoring Luke Boomy in the matchup. And I think that she is, she's the better value piece.
2: Next up, we have got Terrence McKinney taking on Faraz am McKinney, eighty four hundred. Zayam, seventy eight hundred. 7, uh, you know, obviously, we, we saw what, what Terrence McKinney did in in his UFC debut. You know, seven second knockout win against Matt Fervola. I mean, look, the, you know, the only concern, I you know, and I mean, look, this is this is a close fight. I mean, there's there's a reason that essentially, you know, it's a pick'em fight when you're looking at the betting odds here. Is you know, if I'm in, in the zine corner. I gotta have that question: Is what does Terence McKinney look like in the second and third round? He yeah. does have that wrestling background, so you know it's not something where I think it's a huge concern, but it still is a question mark of in an MMA matchup. What does he look like in the second and third round?
1: Yeah, it's a it's a valid point. I think that Farsiem is very interesting as an underdog here. I think that Terence McKinney is going to garner some ownership because he looked absolutely incredible and came through for me uh, against Matt Frivola with a very quick finish. Um, obviously, he has some wrestling skills and you know being a a solid wrestler basically his whole life that's good um but he has been finished in the past and i do think that he's fighting a fighter who has faced plenty of people that want to take him down far as has some exceptional striking and uh if you look at his ufc resume uh debuting against don madge and then jamie malarkey and then Benjamini, he's had to defend takedowns at a high clip but he's also been taken down which i get it there's there's definitely some, uh, some potential with this matchup, and this is another fight that I view you need to have the winner of this one. Terrence McKinney, Farzim. I don't see how this isn't a part of the optimal lineup. Uh, McKinney has walked into some finish losses, and I think a guy in Ziam could definitely expose that, hurt him on the feet, possibly get him out of there, possibly finish him with a, with a nice guillotine choke. He has a sneaky one. Uh, th- there's a, something I want to note about Zim is that he is training at Sanford MMA. And anybody training at Sanford MMA, you know, that room is filled with exceptional wrestlers and high, high caliber strikers. So, uh, I'll tell you, ZM spending the past month and a half, two months down at Sanford can only help him going forward. And, uh, yeah, I think that he's more tested and obviously passes the eye test because it's so such a small sample size for McKinney, right? Yeah. He looked good in such a short amount of time, but I do know that he has some technical deficiencies, uh, I think the winner of this one gets 100 points easy. Uh, I will be slightly favoring the underdog and Farazim, which I'm not sure everybody's going to be on that train with me. I think a lot of people see that 126 point debut from Terrence McKinney. They want to get behind that again. Uh, I have no problem with it. I'm going to get to plenty of Terrence McKinney, but I like Farazim quite a bit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think when you talk about Terrence McKinney and we talk about those 25 bonus points for a, a finish inside 60 seconds, he's a guy that you have to be looking out for. Um this is a guy who's going to he's going to attack quick. I mean, that that's yeah. just that's his MO when you look at his regional tape. This guy does not waste any time. So that's kind of kind of a thought you got to think about if you do want to put McKinney in your lineup. Next up, we got a flyweight matchup. You got Durden taking on Iori. Uh Jordan 7,600 7, for Iori. Is this a must roster fight? Because I got a feeling this thing's over within 10 minutes.
1: It's a weird one to me because uh, Cody Durden, I think, has uh, some pretty solid wrestling to definitely expose certain matchups. And against a a Richie Lang, I think, is a a matchup where he's going to need to wrestle because a Richie Lang is definitely um, a very, very explosive guy who will will throw caution to the wind and try to finish you i do think that he has made plenty of mistakes throughout his career and facing a a an american wrestler is something that i think is a a kryptonite to a lot of fighters from you know from china from certain parts of the world i do think a a fighter in cody durden could end up having a career best performance in the ufc price at 8600 i think that he has the takedown city approach where he's going to he's going to need to close that distance and test the wrestling of a richie lang Obviously, it's going to be tough sledding. I think Durden comes from a solid camp in ATT Atlanta. Uh, you know, that, that room is actually pretty good. It's a beautiful gym. If you've never seen their gym, go on their Instagram. It's absolutely gorgeous. But uh, Durden's got some, some high-caliber training partners there. Um, I, I favor Durden in the matchup, but I exactly agree with what you're saying, that this feels like another GPP fight for me, but I'll be signing with Cody Durden. And I think the American wrestler gets it done.
2: Yeah, Att Atlanta is pretty much ATT Lima country. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> it's, about the, it's about the best way to put it in terms of that one. Uh, next up, uh, Sean Soriano, one of the biggest favorites on this card. He's at nine thousand, taking on Shylan at seventy two hundred. I mean, look, this this is, and you, you go back to that matchup against Iagos. Sean Soriano looked amazing in that first round, yeah. but the kryptonite for short Soriano you know, whether we're talking about Sean Soriano of 2021 or going back years has always been about getting taken down as we saw, you know, that Yago's fight got off to a great start, but ultimately gets submitted. That's always going to be a concern, but I do like Soriano in this matchup.
1: Yeah. I mean, Sean Soriano, a guy from Providence. Oh, I know him. I, I train with a lot of his best friends and uh yeah, I, I like Sean Soriano here. I like the move to Sanford MMA. He's been a staple of that gym for a long time from the black zillions to the 20 other names that that gym has had uh but I think that Sean Soriano over the years is trying to patch some of these holes and for the longest time it was oh, Soriano's facing a wrestler not sure why he's accepting that matchup uh the underdog has plenty of value um there's going to be a time where Soriano is able to stifle wrestlers and and able to showcase his striking whenever he's able to do that you do see the potential his striking's excellent and I believe that Henry Hooft will probably say that he's he's there best overall striker. I mean, he's like one of the one of the assistant striking coaches there at Sanford MMA. Um, his kryptonite, like you mentioned, has always been his wrestling. But it's not the wrestling so much because he's able to scramble back to his feet, get to his feet. It's the, the jiu-jitsu skills where he can get submitted. And I don't know if uh, Nurhan is is a guy that I want to – you know, rely on to get a submission finish over over Sean Soriano. Yes, he's a very, very, very good wrestler himself, uh, you know, highly accredited wrestler. But I think you need more than just a good wrestler to beat Sean Soriano at this point. Chris Oceagos, amazing wrestler, but has submission skills to back it up. So that's why that was a, a very, very weird fight. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to say that Sean Soriano is going to go in here and get it done against uh, Niord and Biek. And I think that he can end up finishing him and he's priced like it but if you want to look at Sean Soriano's uh box scores or you want to pull up his career it, if you just want to look at it black and white it doesn't make much sense that he's a 9000 fighter when you look at it he has four losses on DraftKings basically constantly disappointing on DraftKings so be aware of that you either we we could be you know we could have a situation where Sean Soriano is just favored but on on paper and via the stats it's like I don't know. I I got no problem going to Nerviak as a long shot underdog, but I will be favoring Sean Soriano. I think he gets a knockout here.
2: Yeah, I mean, look, and it's like I said, we all know with the kryptonite Sean Soriano. Is, right. That's always going to be the concern with him. Of course, uh, one of the things that uh, Pete and I love to see once the fights are over are those screenshots of those winning lineups that you want to be rocking that AwesomeO avatar on your DFS profile. You can go over to AwesomeO.com slash avatar. And when you place in the top three of a contest with over 5,000 contestants, tweet your wins to at h you'll win a free month of Osmo plus a platinum, only one free month can be awarded to a user per calendar year. Congratulations to Jordan Lockhart, taking down 100K over there on DraftKings. As he notes, only had three entries. Kudos to you, bro. Nice, nice job there taking that one down. Also, uh kudos there to Pickens taking a one down there in the NBA. Billy also taking a th- third place over there. In an NBA contest over there on DraftKings. Sean taking the split there over in NFL and also uh TO Deck taking it down uh, with NFL. So kudos to all those winners over there. I love to see those screenshots there uh when it comes to Saturdays, UFC by the way. 3 o'clock start time on Saturday for UFC Vegas 43. Uh, Pete and I will be here 2 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday for Live Before Lock. So be sure to check us out on Saturday for Live Before Lock. One more matchup to talk about here, and that is Pinheiro taking on Hughes. Pinero 9,300, Hughes 6,900. And I'm just going to let the listening audience know. I already know what Pete's going to say, so I'm just going to sit back, Pete, and sell me.
1: Okay. All I'm going to say is that 9,300 for Luana Pinheiro is just way too crazy. Um, Why is she priced so high? Yeah, she, she looked, she got a ton of takedowns against Rana Marcos. Okay. Rana Marcos does not have the best defensive wrestling, Uh, but ultimately it wasn't even really a, a first round finish. It was a DQ win. So, so her score is absolutely ballooned. And I do think that she has some susceptibility to, to gassing out now, uh, Obviously, this, this box score is going to increase Luana Pinheiro's uh, ownership, and I definitely think that she has some skills. She's a judo black belt, Brazilian jiu-jitsu brown belt, ec- extremely skilled, uh, aggressive combinations on the feet. But I feel like she fights like it's a round one fight, which can be good. So, so take that into consideration. Outside of round one, I don't think that she's relatively tested. And a fighter in Sam Hughes, who has some, I'll say, a, a better strength of schedule on the regional scene, and uh a, a fighter that is a grinder and grinders can always break styles and a grinder in sam hughes you look at her she's five and three okay but let's go back to her amateur background as well uh she has a draw against lupita godinez obviously that is four years ago a loss to lupita godinez and we know what lupita godinez has done recently um she looked really good in her professional career against vanessa demopoulos where she's able to she has like slow motion punches, and I think her punches are so slow that they throw fighters off. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's she's accurate though. And all I'm saying is that this price is just absolutely wrong. Uh, I don't think that Sam Hughes is the most skilled fighter, but I feel like 6,900 to 9,300. This isn't Amanda Nunes. This is Luana Pinheiro, Small sample size. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just too far off. I'm going to get to some long shot Sam Hughes just. In hopes that she can weather the early storm, test that cardio of Pinheiro. Uh Sam Hughes is actually really good uh in the in the grappling, well, in the wrestling uh wrestling world in in some situations because her cardio doesn't abandon her and she takes advantage of you know her opponents kind of like failing to keep up with the pace. And you did see that that Sam Hughes had some some success against Aloma Lukboumi. She's also had extremely tough competition, debuting against Tisha Torres. Okay. I know Tisha Torres isn't known for getting finishes, but Tisha Torres, you throw her in a regional scene right now, which is basically what they did to Sam Hughes. She's going to get a finish. It's just, it's just going to happen. She's going to just outclass them, uh, fighting against Loma, Luke and having some moments of success as that fight goes on, definitely holds some weight for me. So all I'm saying is Sam Hughes needs to get a little bit more ownership than what I'm projecting that she will. Uh, I have no problem getting to her
2: and sprinkling her. Sam Hughes wins by decision. Prop plus five
1: fifty. It um, yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. Like that's not too crazy given how bad her salary is, right? Like you would imagine, Sam Hughes win be a decision to be like plus seven fifty to eight hundred of how DraftKings is projecting this. It's just a, uh, it's a, it's a salary mistake in my opinion, and it's only off a couple hundred dollars. But every couple hundred dollars makes people less enticed to, to roster her. Yeah,
2: I'm just saying, Pete. It's first five of the night. <laughs> no, no, just
1: no. are you going to avoid it this week? or Are you going to, are you going to play I, it? I don't want to, I don't want to get to a 9,300 Pinero. That's okay. You agree with me on that.
2: You know, I don't know if I want to get to a 6,900 Sam Hughes either. Yeah, I would rather get to someone like a, a Davey Grant as, as an upset mm-hmm. player, a Michael Kiesa 7,300 um, before I want to get to Sam Hughes.
1: Makes, makes a ton of sense. I, I don't disagree with anything you just said there. Um, this is women's MMA They're for the most part. Uh, they tend to go longer than a lot of uh, men's MMA um, and Luana outside of round one, relatively untested. That's all I'm saying.
2: Let's get into our straight up five picks before we get into some questions before we wrap it up here on this edition of the awesome MMA strategy show. Uh, I'll go my picks and I'll let Pete go second. Uh, we'll go. I'll go Tate Brady. Kong Santos Yanez gimme Tucker Lutz as an upset. Uh Hafa Garcia Godinez McKinney. Uh, uh go dirt and Don't feel great about it. Uh Soriano and then Pinheiro. Okay.
1: Non-DFS related. I am going Tate Brady, Kang, Santos, Yanez, Sabatini, Garcia. Luke Boomi, Zium, Durden, Soriano, and for the hell of it, Sam Hughes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, after you just talked her up, I feel like you have a taker. <laughs> I mean, I, like I said, it's not a confident play. It's just 6900s ridiculous.
2: Of course, coming up next will be the NHL Strategy Show. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone taking time out of the day to watch this here live on YouTube. If you're not subscribed, also YouTube, be sure to do that so you keep up with all of these shows that I have for you each and every day. Of course, be sure to check out whether it's NFL content, NBA content. We get, we've got you covered right here on the also YouTube channel. Uh, Samuel, appreciate you in the super chat. I'm just going to get right to his over under number. We've got 12 fights.
0: Actually, seven and they- a half. I
2: actually give me think the that, under. I think it's a good line.
1: I think it's a good line. Oh, give me the under. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say under as well, but it's a good line.
2: I think the numbers a little high. Okay. Just saying. Just saying. Okay. I think the numbers a little high. Okay. Uh, top two cash GPP underdogs. Uh, in terms of uh top two cash for me, um, I would probably be looking at yanez and soriano in terms of cash i feel i kind of feel pretty good about those two
1: very 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 tough week for cash in my opinion i'd probably say santos and yanez but i don't know man i it's it looks volatile from head to toe
2: g top two for gpps i'm looking at misha tate and terrence mckinney
1: okay i i retract what i say i like misha tate and cash too that that's that's a good point um I'll say Misha Tate's awesome. I think Cody Dernan might be the most interesting player in the midfield.
2: In terms of uh, MVP champion type play, man, this it's. it's I, I don't think there's a one that, that truly sticks out. I mean, I think you got to be looking at the main event just because, A, hey, it is five rounds. Um, mm-hmm. Misha Tate could, could collect a lot of takedowns, a lot of control time. So I think she really sticks out to me. Um, and then kind of some other usual suspects uh, to talk about there that, that we've kind of already talked about, Soriano. Kenny, Brady, um, Yanez, Brady. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Uh, favorite inside the distance, uh, Yanez, McKinney, the Durden fight, and the Soriano fight, I think, are the fights I like to go be finishes.
1: Okay, I agree with you. I think the Tate fight's interesting, too. I don't know if Caitlin Vera can really last the whole time.
2: In terms of fades, I'm I'm I'll fade the first five of the night. That's kind of a salary type situation. And I really don't think I will get a lot of of uh, sabatini and lust just based on the price. I'll get more lust, but I don't know if I want to get to an eight seven hundred past sabatini. Okay. That
1: makes sense. Um Goudina's might be a, a fade to me, not a complete fade of of course, because it all depends on what type of tournament or whatever contest you're playing. I tend to play large field tournaments. So I have exposure to a lot of different places, but if we're talking single entry, I probably wouldn't put Godinez in
2: my single entry lineup. Yeah, I mean, in terms of octal plays, I mean, I think uh, if you first start the main event, I think that's where it kind of starts. Agreed. I mean, then kind of some of the other fights that we've we really talked about. I'm not trying to repeat myself here on, on those fights. <laughs> I think it's, it's pretty obvious on what those fights are. But, of course, we'll be back here on Saturday for Live Before Lock, 2 p.m. each time to get you ready for UFC Vegas number 43 course uh, be sure to uh, as you exit out the show hit that that like button we really do appreciate that and so we will talk to you on saturday for live before a lot coming up next is the nhl strategy show have a good day everybody
0: did you miss your deadline to renew your medicaid coverage